Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Tuesday, August 25th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Why the 2,000-year-old redwoods in Northern California are safe from the wildfires. How Leo Tolstoy's mundane procrastination inspired Anna Karenina and can inspire other creatives today. The new meteorite that predates the sun and an upcoming game that simulates the most boring part of air travel. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Okay, so this is one of those good news in the midst of horrible news kinds of stories. As you know, California is currently suffering from hundreds of wildfires. Over the weekend, the damage surpassed one million acres, with one of the wildfires, the LNU Lightning Complex Fire, being the second largest wildfire on record in the state of California. In addition to several deaths and over 100,000 individuals being evacuated, the wildfires have also been causing damage to the national parks. The 67,000-acre CZU Lightning Complex fire in particular has set the Big Basin Redwood State Park near Santa Cruz ablaze. Some of the redwood trees in the Big Basin Park are over 2,000 years old and among the tallest living things on Earth, so understandably, news that the fire had breached the park had many concerned. But the good news is that we have reports that many of those redwoods are still standing, including the one-time tallest tree in the park, the Mother of the Forest. While the park headquarters and many small buildings have been decimated by the fires, the trees are still standing. Laura McLinden, conservation director for the Sempervirens Fund, an environmental group dedicated to the protection of the redwoods and their habitats, told NBC News that redwoods are meant to burn. Quote, The forest is not gone. It will regrow. Every old growth redwood I've seen in Big Basin and other parks has fire scars on them. They've been through multiple fires, possibly worse than this. End quote. Quoting further from NBC News, When forest fires, windstorms, and lightning hit redwood trees, those that don't topple can re-sprout. Mother of the Forest, for example, used to be 329 feet tall, the tallest tree in the park. After the top broke off in a storm, a new trunk sprouted where the old growth had been. Trees that fall feed the forest floor and become nurse trees from which new redwoods grow. Forest critters, from banana slugs to insects, thrive under logs. End quote. So the forest will be okay. It might be different, but it will be okay. And there is hardly any good side to these horrific wildfires, so we have to take it where we can. Amongst the many people and very crucial challenges to be worrying about, at least the total destruction of the state's forests doesn't have to be one of them. As the State Parks District Superintendent Chris Spohr said, quote, The reason those trees are so old is because they are very resilient. When stay-at-home measures first began, a lot of people were saying how this hunkering down was a great opportunity to focus on creativity and write your King Lear. Never mind how many people didn't suddenly have ample free time, especially essential workers, those with children, etc. Or the fact that, you know, sure, Shakespeare might have written King Lear when he escaped the plague in London for the fresh air and countryside of Stratford-upon-Avon, but he was also at that point a wealthy playwright, who almost certainly was not tasked with any parental duties even when he was at home with his family. Now, if focusing on creative output is what gets you through this time, that's awesome. But I don't think we necessarily need to continue pushing hustle culture when we're all coping with the pandemic. 
But I got on this soapbox again because there's a new book out about the writing of Anna Karenina and how, while it's often hailed as the greatest ever work of literature, one which surely must have been the result of deeply considered philosophies and intricately crafted writing, there's also a good case to be made that a lot of its inspiration came from the mundane, everyday activities and distractions of Leo Tolstoy's life at the time. And also shows just what the reality of a creative life looks like, even for someone as talented and renowned as Leo Tolstoy. Robert Blaisdell, an English professor and author of the book Creating Anna Karenina, dove deep into the records we have of Tolstoy's life during the period of time when he was writing Anna Karenina. Records we have quite a few of, since it appears he spent a lot of the time he should have been writing the novel, writing letters to friends about how he was supposed to be writing. It's author Twitter of the 19th century. And from those letters, Blaisdell, like other scholars before him, was able to find certain connections of possible inspiration for the novel, like the death of Tolstoy's neighbor's housekeeper, Anna Stepanova, who threw herself in front of an oncoming train following her husband's alleged affair, and for whom Tolstoy himself was actually asked to confirm the autopsy. But Blaisdell also digs deeper and finds another Anna who might have served as inspiration— at the time of writing, Tolstoy was having his portrait painted for the Tretyakov Gallery in Moscow, and the artist supplied Tolstoy with news of the capital, including the murder of Anna Suvarina by a man who had been in love with her, and his subsequent suicide. From the letters, it seems Tolstoy was obsessed with this story, and with the growing string of suicides throughout the nation, as the failures of Tsar Alexander II's reforms led to a collective depression and sense of dread, all of which informed some of the themes in Anna Karenina. But there are smaller details, too. When he was beginning work on Anna Karenina, Tolstoy was trying to find a new governess, a task that was dragging on and becoming quite bothersome. Perhaps, Blaisdell proposes, this helped spark the inspiration for opening the novel with the dismissal of a governess. Tolstoy was juggling a lot of ordinary tasks at the time of trying to write his first real novel following the success of War and Peace, which he insisted was not really a novel but a genre-defying work all of its own. He wrote in a letter to a friend at the time, quote, My work is not moving. Everything has been arranged so as to distract me. Acquaintances, hunting, a court session in October with me as a juryman, and then the painter. End quote. It's kind of refreshing to hear about a legendary writer having to deal with all the same minutia that we all do. This idea of the successful writer all alone with absolutely nothing to do all day but write is a farce. A reality that only exists in rare spurts during intentional writing retreats. You know, most are still dealing with emails, taking care of kids, attending events, getting the toilet fixed, running errands. You know, great authors are not immune from those tasks. And even after Tolstoy got his initial inspiration, wrote out the entire outline, told a friend he could probably finish it in two weeks, and had published the first installment in the Russian Herald, he lost his focus. It ended up taking him four years, not two weeks. He wrote to a friend, quote, My God, if only someone would finish A. Karenina for me. It's unbearably repulsive. I'm disgusted with what I've written. I need to cross it all out and throw it away and disown it and say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. End quote. It's heartening, in a way, to hear of the self-doubt that plagued Tolstoy, who even went so far as to focus on his charitable non-writing service acts in his life, believing they were much more important than novel writing. Giving it all up because you can't see the point morally and you don't feel good enough personally is a very relatable feeling. And this, too, may have been true for writing King Lear. 
I know Shakespeare was under pressure when he wrote it, as he'd been uninspired lately, and King James, the new patron of Shakespeare's theater troupe, had a much more voracious appetite for new plays than his predecessor, Queen Elizabeth. And no doubt Shakespeare had many everyday tasks and challenges distracting him from writing. And this interpretation I like better than the idea that we all have so much free time now or that we should be using this unprecedented time as inspiration for our magnum opus. I mean, do that if you can, but remember that even the greats weren't completely undistracted. They didn't write constantly all day, both because they had more on their plates and because they, like all of us, sometimes lacked in inspiration and self-discipline. So if you're trying to work on a project and found that you've lost a whole day to emails, Zoom calls, and then a feeling of total imposter syndrome during the two hours that you'd set aside for creative work, don't be so hard on yourself. You're actually just behaving quite a bit like Leo Tolstoy. And when you're ready, maybe use some of that to inspire you. In April of last year, a small meteor crashed into Costa Rica. Or, more specifically, it broke up into pieces before landing and shattered across two villages in Costa Rica, La Palmera and Aguasarcas. But there was something very unique about these meteorites. Quoting Science Mag, Aguasarcas, as the fragments would soon collectively be called, is a carbonaceous chondrite, a pristine remnant of the early solar system. The vast majority of meteorites are lumps of stone or metal, but true to their name, carbonaceous chondrites are rich in carbon, and not just boring inorganic carbon, but also organic molecules as complex as amino acids, the building blocks of proteins. They illustrate how chemical reactions in space give rise to complex precursors for life. Some scientists even believe rocks like Aguasarcas gave life a nudge when they crashed into a barren Earth four and a half billion years ago. End quote. It's not exactly the first of its kind to be found, but it's because we have found one before that we have a good idea of how important it may be. Back in 1969, a meteor hit Murchison, Australia, and the dozens of amino acids found in those meteorites over the years, many of which don't exist anywhere else on Earth, jump-started the entire field of astrobiology. Both the Murchison meteorite and the Agus Zarkas one contain dust from the ancient Milky Way, dating back before the formation of the Sun. While many of the organic compounds in the Murchison meteorite have degraded over time from being in Earth's atmosphere, scientists are hopeful that, with the assistance of modern developments and technology, they'll be able to uncover even more amino acids and perhaps even proteins, which have never been confirmed in a meteorite before, in the Agus Zarkas meteorite. Though contaminated some by the rainforest it landed in, scientists are excited to have found the most pristine sample of the early solar system and pre-solar dust cloud ever. The discoveries they may be able to make over the coming years are pretty astounding, and honestly, it's just wild to think about the scientists and locals who got to hold these objects in their hands that are literally billions of years old, even older than the sun. I guess the longer most of us go without traveling, the more we miss even the boring or outright annoying parts of travel. Back in June, Taiwan opened the doors of their Taipei Songshan Airport for tours of their international terminal, allowing competition winners to take an exclusive tour and experience the boarding process without actually flying anywhere. 
And last week, Nippon Airways in Japan allowed contest winners to actually take flight on their special A380 double-decker Airbus, which usually flies to Hawaii. But for this special event, it just went up in the air and circled around for three hours before landing back at the Narita Airport from where it had taken off. But now, you won't even have to leave your house to have a real air travel experience. And I'm not talking about Microsoft Flight Simulator, the longest-running software line from Microsoft that got a stunning 2020 upgrade just in time to ease lockdown boredom. No, there is another flight simulator hitting the market soon that, in some ways, is even more realistic than Microsoft's 4K resolution and 3D photogrammetry. It's called Airplane Mode from AMC Games, coming out this fall for Mac and PC, and in it, you're a passenger, not in the cockpit, and your objective is to survive a six-hour economy flight from New York City to Reykjavik, complete with screaming children, unreliable Wi-Fi, in-flight entertainment, and rude passengers. AMC Games said in a statement, Other flight simulators give you high-definition cockpits with a billion switches and dials, but airplane mode is the only one that offers a realistically rendered seatback tray. End quote. The flight includes takeoff, taxi, and landing, as well as meal service, and you're equipped with a carry-on bag with a few pieces of entertainment, a book, headphones, pen, and charging cable, which is good because you are playing the six-hour flight in real time. But hey, at least you have a window seat and plane-provided entertainment like a Sudoku book and seat-back TV screen. And the gameplay is randomized, so you'll get different turbulence and delays each time. Quoting Engadget, When AMC Games announced Airplane Mode in 2019, the world was a different place. The coronavirus pandemic had yet to trap most of us in our homes. What seemed more like a postmodern commentary than an actual game at the time is probably something you'll see people now buy and play out of a desire to reclaim something they've lost. End quote. And I almost agree. You know, as much as I made fun of various airlines' attempts to market fake flights at the start of the summer, the longer the lockdown goes on, the more I'm starting to see the appeal. That is all for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am going to go not work on my next novel and claim that I'm being Tolstoyan. I hope you have a good rest of your day, whatever you are doing, and I will talk to you tomorrow. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.